Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. So there's a part of the world's financial system that's sometimes known as its plumbing. And the FT's markets editor, Katie Martin, says that it's not really quite as thrilling as something like, say, the stock market. Not, you know, 99% of the time, this sort of plumbing is just, it's just super boring. It's the stuff that central banks do in the background of markets. The stuff that makes money flow around the global system. Like, no, no person in their right mind who does not do this sort of stuff for a living should be paying the blindest bit of attention to it. For a long time, central banks, including the Federal Reserve, have been doing this thing in the plumbing called quantitative easing, or QE for short. QE is this process where central banks buy up predominantly government bonds in an effort to push down yields. The idea is that this will push the private sector into investing in other areas and eventually stimulate the global economy. But that whole process is changing now. Banks are shifting away from QE. And as it so happens, nobody really knows how this is going to turn out. But plumbing, just like the plumbing in your house, when it goes wrong, it's quite important quite quickly. And so now, after years of implementing quantitative easing, that is, buying up bonds and other assets, now the banks are making a change. They're moving away from QE and into something called quantitative tightening, or QT. And while you might not have heard of QT yet, it's a move that could have ripple effects out into all parts of the economy, from the stock market to the rate on your mortgage. So QT is one of those things that, look, if this all goes fine, then we can just pretend it never happened and move on to the next phase of our lives. If this goes badly, everyone is going to be talking about it. Michaela Tendera from the Financial Times. On today's episode of Behind the Money, will quantitative tightening help fight inflation? Or will it cause markets to go haywire in the process? Hi, Katie. Thanks for coming on the show today. Pleasure. So, Central banks have a whole collection of tools available to them to support markets. And in 2008, when the financial crisis hit, they needed to use all kinds of tools to help the economy. So one thing they did was slash interest rates. But when that still wasn't enough to get the job done, they also used this thing called quantitative easing. So how did that work exactly? If you want to push borrowing costs down even further, then you start buying bonds and you start with the kind of safest stuff you can find in the market, which is government bonds. And if central banks buy enough of those bonds, then they can 
push the price up, which pushes the yield down, and that quite quite quickly floods across financial systems, right? So if the borrowing rate for governments is much lower, it just helps to pull borrowing costs down for everybody. Um, and that, uh, again, in theory, should help them to get through difficult patches and should also push up inflation. But it has even more profound effects on the financial system as a whole. So people getting mortgages, people getting loans, companies issuing bonds, companies getting loans. It helps to, to control and pull down borrowing costs for all of those people. Okay, so the U.S. Federal Reserve and other central banks did this around 2008 to encourage deals, encourage borrowing, and to really just help everyone get through the financial crisis. So then um, why are we still talking about this now in 2022? You know, these programs were all sort of starting to wind down. People are talking about, oh, you know, when can central banks step back from the bond markets? Um, 2020 came along, the pandemic came along. Again, another gigantic crisis arrived. Concerns over the coronavirus outbreak, and once again, they are affecting the stock market. There's a lot of unease and bad vibrations in the market. That's the way it is. The Federal Reserve is taking sweeping action to try to protect the economy from the coronavirus. This time, it didn't kind of come from the core of the financial markets. It was a kind of big external shock. But it was very clear that policymakers had to do something dramatic to turn the ship around. And that those quantitative easing programs that we saw just hit the steroids. And we saw, you know, the, the Fed didn't just do QE, as we call it. it. It did unlimited purchases of US government bonds. It went into agency mortgage-backed securities. It launched facilities to buy corporate debt and municipal debt. It went all in. And over a two-year period, the Fed bought $3.3 trillion just in government bonds. So the size of the balance sheets at a lot of these central banks around the world has got enormous. So, um, you know, at the Fed, we're talking about $9 trillion, which is a chunk of change. Okay, so QE was a way to help with bringing up inflation. We obviously don't need that anymore. So what happens now? And so it's time for quantitative easing to go to bed and to be replaced by quantitative tightening. Okay, so then tell me about QT. How is it different? QT, quantitative tightening, try saying that with an egg in your mouth, is the opposite of QE. And it basically means that central banks are shrinking their balance sheets and either stopping buying new debt or offloading debt that they already own. And this is a this is a potentially pivotal moment. This is a really important process. Okay. And why is it so important? I guess the the way to think about it is that um the process whereby central banks pushed money into bond markets is reversing. So let's look at what happened during that time when they were pushing the money in. Effectively, they were largely cornering markets in government bonds, which are the safest part of the bond market. And if they come in in size and, and you know, snaffle up a large portion of the government bonds that are out there, then those bonds get really expensive and the yields on them get really low. And the whole point of QE is that if 
central banks corner the market in all the safe stuff, then private sector money gets forced out down the chain into other parts of the economy where it can be more useful and where it can, for example, help companies that otherwise might not make it. And it can just keep corporate bond markets alive in a time of stress. I mean, we certainly saw that in in 2020. So then what happens as we go the other way and move into QT? Logic dictates, in a way, that when that process starts reversing, then the opposite should be true. So one fund manager put it to me that, you know, um, that interest rate cuts really, really help economies, but they don't necessarily help markets, whereas QE really helps markets, but doesn't necessarily help underlying economies. And so... It sort of stands to reason that as QE reverses and flips into QT, as central banks start offloading these assets that they've been accumulating, that could have a destabilizing effect on markets. Okay, so if there's a chance of destabilizing markets, why do the banks want to take this risk? It's, uh, you know, again, complete mouthful, total nightmare. But quantitative tightening is part of a tightening process which goes hand in hand with raising interest rates. So it's kind of a bit weird for central banks to give with one hand and and take away with the other or to take away one hand and give with the other. So it kind of doesn't make sense for them to be raising interest rates. And some of them are doing that unusually quickly now and to still be pumping money into the system. That doesn't make sense. You're you're kind of you're you're fighting with yourself. So this QT is part of a broader tightening in in financial conditions. It's part of this global tide of of higher interest rates around the world. So has this idea of QT been tried before? Is there any kind of precedent we can look to for guidance? There are precedents, but they're generally in different uh, economic conditions, um, and there's no precedent for all of the all of the big central banks doing this at more or less the same time. Um, you know, we we did see the Fed try and step back in 2017. They were like, "Oh, don't worry, it's going to be like watching paint dry. You're going to find this a very boring process." Mm-hmm. So, how did that go then? Not great, bad. <laughs> The uh, the the Fed wanted to start chipping away at its balance at its balance sheet. It wanted to do some QT, and it really did not go well. It really gave the markets a shock. They were like, "Oh wait, you're actually you're actually going to do this. You're you're going to you know you're going to stop helping us. You know what what the hell is all this about?" And there was, you know, there were some very shaky moments in in markets there, and eventually markets shook violently enough that. Um, that the Fed had to kind of back away and and keep pumping in the support. And then 2020 came along. Okay, so that doesn't sound so good. So what are your sources telling you now? Um, how do they see things playing out this time? So I just kind of made a point of every time I was talking to a portfolio manager, every, every time I was talking to a chief investment officer at an investment firm, I would say, so, you know, this whole QT business, what do you think? How's it going to work? And every single person said to me, yeah, I don't know. I've got absolutely no idea. 
We don't know if this is going to be a complete train wreck. We don't know if this is going to be absolutely fine. We don't know if it will be somewhere in between. We don't know whether if the markets do freak out, central banks will, you know, change their minds and give us, you know, give us a bit more slack. They they really have absolutely no idea how this is going to to play out. So what are they worried about? What what do they think might happen? Among the investors that I speak to is just watch out for some kind of accident in the treasuries market, in the US government bond market towards the end of this year, because that's when QT is really going to start getting going and, you know, more, more forcefully. And you've got lots of macroeconomic forces that are pulling the market all over the place. Just don't be surprised if this goes belly up at some point. And what would that look like? Um, this accident or going belly up, how would we know that that's happening? Oh, you'd know, probably because I'd be <laughs> shouting about it. Uh, but um, the, the thing is, the US government bond market is not is not any old market. It's, it's the world's most important market. Everything is priced off of treasuries prices. So um, whether it's whether it's mortgages or whether it's the value, the overall value of, of stock markets around the world, everything hinges on where treasuries are trading. So if you start to see treasuries prices move around really violently, that will send ripple effects throughout all of the major markets. And what would that look like for regular non-investor people? If QT does contribute to the process whereby uh, government bond prices are much lower and yields are much higher, then that is, at the very least on the margins, a contributing factor to how expensive it is for for you or I or anybody else to to borrow money, whether that's for a mortgage or for a loan or or on a credit card or, or whatever it is. So now it's been a couple of months since the Fed actually decided to officially implement QT. Uh, What's been happening so far? At the moment, a lot of um, QT is around not buying new stuff. It's not about selling existing stuff because they they are two very different things that would, if they were selling, particularly in in large size, into markets, then... uh, that uh, that really that really could upset the apple cart. They're not quite at that point yet, at least uh, globally. Um, so they are trying to be nice and boring. Central bankers love being boring. They want to be as boring as possible. That's what they're trying to do here. Um, and we're going to have to see how successful they are. Okay, so that's helpful to understand from a theoretical point of view. But um, how has this actually played out? So QE pumped a lot of money into the system, effectively, and crammed down bond yields. So if you get to the point where you're earning nothing or indeed less than nothing on your government bonds, what's the point in holding them? You go for, you know, whether you're an individual investor or a big pension fund, you, you know, it's the same for everybody. You go further and further and further along this risk spectrum and you say, okay, well, I'm only getting kind of 0% on my government bonds and I'm only getting, you know, at one point people were getting 2% on their on their corporate bonds, even for relatively risky companies. And, you know, so you just end up going, you end up putting money to work with riskier and riskier and riskier bets. And some of those bets have have blown up in 2022. And that's not necessarily all the fault of QT. You know, it's partly the fault of, of rising interest rates. And it's partly the fault of just the, the state of the economy. Um, but certainly, you know, 
what what goes in must come out. This this money that's gone into the system has to bleed out at some point. And to the extent that it has supported risky assets over the past few years, logically it does seem to make sense that a lot of support for those risky assets has now melted away. And so I guess what it means is that a lot of investments have just got to stand on their own two feet. You can't expect them to be propped up by, by policymakers anymore. So... Even though we seem to be stuck in this very uncertain time right now, when do you think we will know how this has all turned out? I, I suspect it's going to be a bit like, you know, the old adage about the French Revolution, you know, was it successful? It's too early, early to tell kind of thing. I think it will be, it will, it will take a long time for this to come out in the wash. And even when it does, so for example, um, uh, one of the big investment banks, I'm pretty sure it was Morgan Stanley, did a big report on previous efforts at quantitative tightening at different central banks. And they tried to kind of look at what the market did in response. And they were like, do you know what? It was a really mixed bag. Sometimes government bonds rose in price. Sometimes they fell in price. It was all very much contingent on what the underlying economy was doing. And there was a lot of very counterintuitive forces at play in the markets. And so um, there just isn't, there isn't a rule book for this. There isn't a kind of manual that you can turn to and say, right, now turn to page 25, quantitative tightening, this is what's going to happen. Um, doesn't exist. And so that, that rule book will probably only end up getting written in five or 10 years. So as quantitative tightening takes hold in the financial system's plumbing, it sounds like plenty of eyes will be watching closely for any issues that crop up. Let's just hope we don't have to call on the plumber. Behind the Money is hosted by me, Michaela Tendera. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Sound design and mixing by Sam Giovinco. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.